How many of your key account contacts have a story to tell about the customer experience with you and your brand? Not a prompted testimonial packed with marketing quotes that are engineered to pitch your products and services to a new audience. Not a review of the features and benefits that they enjoy from using your solution, but rather the kind of story that arises only from a truly remarkable customer experience. One that ensures that you stand out from your competition and not just stand up to them. One that differentiates you from the overwhelming noise in the crowded market that you're in. And one that your contacts are delighted to tell their network of peers, colleagues and friends, ultimately giving you the very best form of advertising for free enabling you to win more business and influence wider stakeholders. Well, today's guest on Camcast is Hall of Fame keynote speaker and author of six best-selling books, Jay Bear. And he'll be sharing with us his insights into creating what he calls talk triggers in your business, providing your customers with the experience that can create conversations. In this, the first of two episodes that I share with Jay interviewing him about the book, I'll be asking him all about what a talk trigger is, what defining criteria separates a talk trigger from an accidental and often average customer service moment, and why having a word of mouth strategy is so important, not just for B2C, but also for B2B businesses. Welcome to Camcast. I'm your host, David Ventura, a key account management consultant at camguru.com. In this podcast, we explore the strategies, systems, and skills you need for effective key account management. We talk to expert guests and business leaders, sharing the tips, tactics, and techniques for looking after your most important customers. This is Key Account Management Made Easy. Okay, so Jay Bear, welcome to Camcast. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. Jay, within the world of key account management, it's it's kind of not surprising really that we do put quite a bit of emphasis on customer service. And by service, I guess I really mean ensuring that the needs, the wants, the demands of customers, they're met, we're, we're exceeding their expectations at every stage. Of course, the best account teams don't just think about service. They also think about the experience. And you know, when we talk about customer experience, uh, we're talking about creating magic moments. We're talking about exceeding expectations, but talk triggers is so much more than just that. So Jay, can you give us a quick explanation for those people that haven't had the pleasure of reading the book yet? What, what, what is a talk trigger? A talk trigger, David, thanks very much for having me on the show. A talk trigger is an operational choice that you make in your business that is designed to create conversations. So it's not an accident. It's not a one-off. It's not happenstance. It's not an anecdote. It's not this one time when somebody did this cool thing. It is part of your operations playbook that is orchestrated and architected so that it is intentionally noticeable and hopefully becomes the propellant for conversations about your business that gets you new customers for free. Nice. So, you know, with, I love the, the word they're intentional because there's so much in business that isn't intentional. It almost happens right. by accident. And and also, I guess, you know, when we think about the things that are intentional, it's making sure that it's applicable to everyone, not just one customer. We can we yes. can keep, keep doing it. You know, thinking about the difference, I guess, between, you know, a talk trigger and, you know, what could be classed elsewhere as a, a, a magic moment, or I think in the book, you call it a surprise and delight yeah. kind of stunt. Yeah. You know, what, what, 
qualifies as a torque trigger? What's our criteria for, for it being a torque trigger? There's, there's four things that, that we think about in our organization when we do talk trigger strategy, talk triggers creation for brands that, that sort of set it apart so that you can understand what is and what is not going to work, frankly, as, as a word of mouth device. The first and, and sort of non-negotiable is that it has to be remarkable in, in the right. actual sense, you know, the definition of that word, which is worthy of remark. It, it has to be a, a story yeah. worth telling. And in order to be a story worth telling, two things typically must be the case. It has to be an experience more so than a bullet point. And it has to be something that the customer doesn't expect. Like if I, I've never, I've never told this story. I've never said, David, you will not believe what happened to me last night. Mm. I had a perfectly adequate experience. <laughs> I've never told that story because that isn't a story. Right. We tell stories about things that are unexpectedly good, unexpectedly bad, or in some way different from our historical norms, which is why you don't see very many three-star reviews written. Yeah, yeah. I gave them some money and they gave me exactly what I anticipated, nothing more, nothing less. That's not a very good review nor is it a very good story, which is why you don't see people telling those stories. So it has to be something that they don't expect and it has to be an experience and it has to be remarkable. That's the first thing. I, I, I love that because I, I read somewhere a long time ago, so the stats probably way out of date now, but it was talking about you know when you tell your friends about stuff and, and that you're 11 times more likely to tell your friends about a bad experience than you are a good one. So you're essentially trying to counteract that by create intentionally creating great experiences that are, as you said, worthy of, of remark, right? Yeah. Yes, but especially given that we're talking about key account management, I want to really make this point clear. A talk trigger isn't typically about a good experience. Okay. It's about a different experience. Right. Because, and I really want to make sure everybody's listening, competency does not create conversation. Competency keeps your customers. It prevents churn and defection, but it doesn't create chatter because they expect you to be competent. That's why they pay you. Another story I've never told. I have never said, hey, you won't believe it. I just checked my tax return and all the numbers added up. I must have a great accountant. (laughs) You know why I don't say that? Because that's what I expect. That's what accountants do. That's why I'm paying them. That is competency. But we don't tell stories about good. We tell stories about different. And that's why to the beginning of the show, when you said sort of the the differentiation between sort of service and experience is really important because it happens all the time in my consulting practice, a brand or a business will come to us and say, well, we, we deliver such outstanding customer service that we already have a talk trigger. Like, well, it may in fact be outstanding, but that doesn't mean people talk about it. Yeah. It just means they don't quit. Yeah. And a lot of companies will 
I guess, claim maybe just because they don't know that they're doing it already. They'll they'll claim that they do customer experience exceptionally. Uh, do, do you come across that quite a lot where, where people think that they're doing it great and, and actually when you dig a little deeper, it, it's not intentional, it's by accident or... Yeah, it's in, and it is circumstantial. Yeah. Right? Your customer experience is as good as your average customer experience. But when brands think about the quality or the impact of their customer experience, and this is just human nature, they tend to look at that through the prism of their best customer experience. Yeah. Not the average. Yeah. And and so people say to me things like, well, you won't believe what we do for our best customers. We take them to play golf and then we give them our own sleeve of golf balls with our logo on it and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. Number one, a lot of people do that. So that's probably not talkable anyway. But number two, what if you're a second, third or fourth tier customer? Because there's a hell of a lot more of those than there are of the top tier customers. Yeah. Which is why the second requirement of a talk trigger, David, is that it must be repeatable. Right. And when I say that, what I mean is that the talk trigger, whatever it is, should be accessible by all customers, not only your best customers, not only your biggest customers, not only your most loyal customers, by all customers. Because remember, if the objective of this is to maximize conversations about your business, and it is, that's the plan here, why would you purposefully truncate those conversations? by only allowing a subset of your customer base to experience the thing that creates the conversations in the first place. Hmm. And, and a lot of the, you know, you, you mentioned it there, some of the customers that have been with you for four years, five years, you know, when we're talking about key accounts, typically speaking, these customers are long standing customers. You know, they, yeah, they've been right. through your customer experience. How they became a key account. Yeah. yeah. They've, they've been through your customer experience several times over. So uh, you've, you've got to be doing things that, that are repeatable across the board are, are definitely remarkable and continue to be remarkable and that maybe that re- requires some iteration i guess over over time so that we're constantly doing things that that go above and and, and stand out what what else should we be looking for when we're thinking about a talk trigger what, what are the other things that we should have remarkable obviously yeah. repeatable mm-hmm. third one is reasonable right so it's often the case especially when you think about key accounts to the point you just Raised, David, you think, well, geez, these people have been with us for a long time. We've got this longstanding relationship. So in order to get them to talk about us, we got to shock and awe them, right? Mm-hmm. We, we've got we've to do something outlandish because that's the only way we're going to break through this sort of stasis. Mm-hmm. And that's actually not true at all. Many of the most effective and successful talk triggers in business history are not terribly expensive or, or grandiose at the individual level. Um, And in fact, what we discover in our research is that you don't want it to be very grandiose because here's the challenge. When you have an experience that is too much, it's too big, it actually stops conversation because the recipient of that largesse thinks maybe this isn't true or maybe I truly am the only one who gets this kind of treatment. Therefore, I don't want to tell that story and make it feel like I am um, exceptional in in some way. So you don't want to um, overplay the hand. Like you see this in back in the day when we used to travel, you see this at trade shows all the time, especially in B2B. There'd be some sort of big exhibit hall and every software company or hardware company, whatever, lining the halls of a convention center. 
And every single one of them has some sort of fishbowl, right? Like put your business card in the fishbowl. And it was always one organization had this like outlandish, crazy prize. Like put your business card in the fishbowl. One of you is going to win a Caribbean island. You're like, <laughs> what the hell? What? what? You know, an island? It just, it, it's, it's so, it's so far outside your frame of reference that it actually prevents the kind of chatter that you're trying to create. And, and in fact, one of my favorite examples is uh, Doubletree Hotels. Sure. Doubletree Hotels by Hilton has hundreds and hundreds of locations all around the world. They have given out a warm, hot chocolate chip cookie at check-in to every guest, every time, every day for 31 years. They've been doing this 31 years. Mm. Pre-pandemic, when they were at full occupancy, they were handing out some 75,000 cookies a day. Wow. It's a lot of chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> That's a lot of chocolate uh, chip cookies. We did some research on that and found that approximately a little more than a third of their customers, when surveyed, said that they, yes, had indeed told a story to somebody else about that cookie. Right. So that's nearly, well, 28,000 or so, I think is the actual number, stories a day, per day, mm. about a chocolate chip cookie. Now, companion question, when's the last time you saw an ad for a Doubletree Hotel? I don't think I have ever seen an ad for a Doubletree Hotel. Probably never, no. right? They don't advertise because the cookie is the ad and the recipient of the cookie is the sales and marketing department. Now, Collectively, does it cost them a fair bit of money to, to, to create and hand out 75,000 cookies a day? Well, of course. But at the individual guest level, it's the price of a cookie. Yeah. It's not a Caribbean island, man. It's a cookie. Sure. So it doesn't have to be big. It just has to be different. And one of the other examples that you mentioned in, in the book, actually, um, was one of those light bulb moments for me, because, of course, I had no idea that this was intentional. I just thought that the people that worked in our local Five Guys <laughs> were giving us way too many fries. <laughs> we're, we're, just, we're just casual about the fries. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Five Guys Burgers, when you get it to go, or really anytime, you know, it's always like you can't get to the burger because you've got to go spelunking through this enormous haystack of fries. And, and it's actually usually double kind of what you've ordered. And that is 100% intentional by the owner of uh, Five Guys, the founder, uh, who, who famously said, if they're not complaining about too many fries, it's not enough fries, which I, I think is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I can't say I've ever complained about it, but um, no. but um, my buying habits have probably changed. Like, you know, when yes. we're ordering for, as a family, we don't order fries for the kids because we know. <laughs> We're going to get enough no, to just, dish just them out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's amazing. You know, and uh, th thank you for for sharing. I think uh, you know um, those of uh, people that are listening that haven't yet read the book or haven't heard about Talk Triggers are probably thinking, "Give us more story. Tell us about more um, Talk Triggers." We'll, we'll come to that in a second. I, I know that there's a fourth criteria for a, a, a Talk Trigger. G give us the fourth, Jay. The fourth is is that your Talk Trigger should be relevant. So in some cases, when you think about, all right, we want to create conversations. We want to turn our customers into volunteer marketers. Right. In order to do that, Jay said we have to do something different. So therefore, let's go rent an elephant or, or something, and we'll walk it down Main Street with our logo on a blanket. And that kind of approach will work as long as that sort of stunt continues. But, but once the elephant goes back to the elephant handler, uh, you're sort of back to square one because it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't, it doesn't 
add up in, in your head. So the best talk triggers are those that tie into who you are and what you stand for. Right. It's got to have a bit of so your you personality. Might think, well, wait a second. Yeah. So you might think, well, wait a second, Jay just talked about Doubletree hotels. They're not, they're not a bakery. Why are they giving out cookies? Well, uh, the Hilton family of hotel brands has, I don't know, I think it's 21 brands now. There's been a lot of acquisitions, some new ones. There's a lot, right? So you've got the regular Hilton, the Conrad at the high end, Hilton Garden Inn, a little bit lower. Hampton Inn is also one of theirs. Doubletree as well. Each of those brands has its own brand positioning because they want to avoid, as much as possible, competing head-to-head for the same traveler because it's a very inefficient use of corporate resources. So they each have their own vibe, right? Well, according to their chief marketing officer, the brand positioning for Doubletree Hotels is the warm welcome. Right. The warm welcome. They want to be disproportionately good and memorable at that, I don't know, seven minutes from, from when you set foot in the hotel and then you set foot in your room. Mm. That gap of time, they want to own that and own your mind. Mm. Subsequently, they put, they put more time, money, effort in front desk kind of lobby design than most hotels at that price point, right? It's not a four season. They train the front desk people more than most hotels at that price point. And the anchor of this entire experience is the cookie because crucially, if, if folks haven't experienced it, it's not a pile of cookies under a glass dome on a counter. They have an oven in every hotel. The front desk person turns, goes to the oven, takes out a piping hot chocolate chip cookie, puts it in a paper sleeve, and at least pre-pandemic, I haven't been there recently, (laughs) hands it to you, hand-to-hand pass. So you feel the heat of it. You smell the cookie. You see it. You immediately eat it because nobody has the willpower to withstand it. All of your senses are triggered instantaneously, and that's what makes it so effective. I will, I will wager 100% of your audience, David, has been to a hotel at some point in their life that had a basket of fruit, yeah. either at the front desk or sometimes they have it on the floors near the elevator. Yeah. I will also wager that 0% of your audience has ever told a story about that. No. And a lot of people won't even take it, right? <laughs> right. It's just a waste of good citrus. <laughs> But remember this, it is almost the exact same idea. Hmm. Is it, it's almost the exact same idea. Is it a, a carbon copy? Are, are people trying to do the, the cookie thing? Because that's obviously a risk, isn't hmm. it? When, when an Good organization question. does something really well, that others that want to you know, compete think, oh, let's it do something. It is a risk. It, it is. It doesn't happen very often, though. We talk about that in the book. It, it, there's a couple reasons why a talk trigger wouldn't work once you establish it. Competitors can copy it, but that doesn't happen very often because usually they, everybody knows you're, you're, you're copying it. And so usually they don't, or the world changes. Yeah. And so it doesn't make sense anymore. So Enterprise Rent-A-Car, uh, one of the largest rental car agencies in the U.S., had for 20 or 30 years a talk trigger, which is, we will pick you up. Mm. They would send one of their employees to pick you up at your home, to bring you to the rental car center, or vice versa. You drop off the car, we'll give you a ride home. The other competitors wouldn't do that. Hertz wouldn't do it. Avis wouldn't do it. Budget wouldn't do it. Nobody else would do it except for enterprise. And then Uber is invented. 
And now you can get a ride with one click, like anywhere in the world. Like, why would I want to have the weird rental card kid take me home? I can do that myself, right? So the world changed and their talk trigger was no longer relevant. And so they had to come up with something else. Uh, I've, got, I've got an image of the weird Uber, uh, uh, the sort of weird uh, delivery guy uh, now in my head, <laughs> yeah. opposed to exactly. an Uber driver. Uh, <laughs> we've heard of a couple of these talk triggers now and some examples. I think you know it's, it's an important point for me, I guess, that whilst we're talking about some examples here in the B2C world, it's mm. equally as applicable in the B2B world. And I think probably so. massively overlooked. It's it, more it, so. You know, it's perhaps chalked up in B2B as something that B2C does. That's not what we do. And yet, as you rightly say, it's more so more important. You know, storytelling is commonplace in uh, sales account management. It, it should be. It's part and parcel of the communication model that, that we have. Um, let, let's hear some stories. Let, let's hear some stories about some of the talk triggers you've seen. And, you know, I know in the book you talk about the five different types of, of mm-hmm. talk triggers. Perhaps mm-hmm. we can hear a few of those and, and, and stories that might go with it. Let me just touch on your B2B question for a second. 91% of B2B purchases are influenced by word of mouth. Yet, 1% of businesses have a word of mouth strategy. Yeah. So you're just leaving it to chance. Mm. And that's not a good plan. Mm. Talk triggers actually work better in B2B because somehow collectively business-to-business organizations have all gotten together and taken a vow of boredom. (laughs) <laughs> we're like, we're going to be as, as boring and undistinguished and unmemorable as we possibly can, because to do anything other than that is somehow frivolous, which is ridiculous. Not to mention the fact most B2B purchases are made by multiple people in an organization, whether overtly or, or circumstantially. I mean, it's not one person. It's multiple people have to agree to buy from another business. Therefore, if you can have a talk trigger which creates a story, which builds additional need and rationale for having conversations about your solution inside the organization, you will be much better off. So you are correct. There are actually more B2C examples of talk triggers, but there should be more B2B examples of talk triggers. Yet, despite this incredible book, uh, it is still hard sometimes to find great B2B examples because B2B companies still have a hard time being intentionally interesting. Well, Jay, I'm going to pick up on your shameless plug there because uh, it is an awesome book, I have to say. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed it. But you know, just to play into the B2B bit, one of the things I did enjoy about it was how pragmatic it was. And that's something that businesses live off. They, they, love, they love it when something sounds good, looks good, feels right, and yet is pragmatic to implement. And you know, the back end of the book, you, you really take organizations through the steps of creating the the, the, the talk trigger so yeah. I, so i think that's absolutely right you, just coming back to your point there you know the it was it was it 91 percent of decisions are made through b2b in, yeah b2b b2b purchases are influenced by word of mouth in some way and and, and yet only one percent of b2b organizations had a, have a word of mouth strategy that's yeah that's outrageous i mean that's criminal right outrageous. it is <laughs> there is literally nothing else you do from a customer acquisition perspective in your business that comes anywhere close to influencing 91% of deals. Sure. Because it's nothing. It's not about just influencing new clients, is it? You know, when we're talking about right. a key it's accounts. Renewals. It's it's retention, renewals, all of it. 
all of it. And 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 the different uh, stakeholders. You know, you've, you, you, your contact you might have as a key account manager, you might have one contact within your customer base that you deal with regularly, and actually they would renew in a heartbeat if it was just up to them. And it's not just up to them. You know, if the last right. if the last 10, 15 years in business has taught us anything, it's that more and more people need to be involved in the decision making process. And and that that just speaks to the need of storytelling about how great you are internally within the organization, not just externally to peers and friends and other organizations that might one day become a customer of yours, right? Absolutely. 100% that is on the mark. And it's puzzling to me because you probably have a marketing strategy, a PR strategy, a social media strategy, a content strategy, a website strategy, a hiring strategy. Maybe you've got an ABM strategy. You might have a key account strategy. You might have a retention strategy. You've got nothing but strategies. You probably got a whole office desk <laughs> credenza full of strategies. Mm. But the one strategy you don't have is the one that probably has the greatest impact on your actual success, which is what customers actually say about you when you're not. And do you know what? One of the things about strategy that I think gets in the way is a lot of organizations massively overcomplicate it. You know, when, when you, yeah. when you boil strategy down, it's where are we now? Where do we want to be? And what do we do to intentionally plan to get there? And it's, you know, the word of mouth strategy is just that. Where are we now? What are customers saying about us now? What do we want them to say about us? And what do we intentionally need to do to get from A to B? You know, I, I, I get accused sometimes of trying to oversimplify things that are actually far more complex. And yet some things are beautifully simple. They're not easy, of course. I'm not suggesting that at all, but they are beautifully simple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... It, it... The premise is not hard. Do something that people will notice and talk about. You know, operationally is where it gets a little sticky because as I said earlier, mm. it's got to be extended to all customers and you've got to have a lot of consistency inside your organization to do it the same way every time. So I'm not suggesting that you can snap your fingers. And in fact, when we build talk triggers inside organizations, it's usually a 90-day process, right? It, you know, this isn't a, a quickie, but it's a lot easier than a lot of other things that, that you know, you're probably investing time, money, and effort into that will have less impact. Camcast account management made easy. So that feels like a great place to hit the pause button and close off part one of this interview. In the next episode, Jay will be talking us through the five different types of talk triggers, and I'll be asking him to share examples of where brands really get it right and how beautifully simple the concept is when it's applied with the right framework for implementing an intentional word of mouth strategy. It's clear to me that the real opportunity here is to look at this operational choice to engineer and orchestrate intentional experiences that are different to create conversations. Conversations that will support you in influencing wider stakeholders and winning new business. If 91% of B2B purchases are influenced by a word of mouth in some way, is your business in the 99% of businesses that does not currently have a word of mouth strategy? I'd love to invite you to reflect on that between now and the next episode. Ask yourself, do we have a word of mouth strategy in our business? If so, what is it? How are we doing with it? What does your business do for customers within the experience that isn't just good, it's different? What stories do customers tell about you and your brand? And what ideas are coming to you for creating an intentional talk trigger that is remarkable, reasonable, relevant and repeatable? 
I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you'd like to comment on LinkedIn or Twitter, just search for Cam Guru and give us a follow. And don't forget, of course, to subscribe to the show on your chosen podcast app and make sure you get notified as soon as part two lands. It's going to be packed full of more great stories and valuable insights with Jay, so you really don't want to miss it. For now, I am off to get some five guys and I'll be sure to count the number of fries. Thank you for listening to this episode of Camcast, a podcast brought to you by camguru.com, one of the UK's leading key account management consulting and training organizations. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate you sharing it with your connections, giving us a review on your chosen podcast app, and letting us know what else you'd like to hear in an upcoming episode. You can find the show notes for this episode on the website at camguru.com forward slash podcast.